Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 25. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here this morning with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How are you doing, Van? Laura, I'm wonderful, and how are you doing this weekend? I'm doing great. It's a, it's been a nice weekend to stay inside. It's hot and humid here in North Texas. So you know, same here in South Texas. We were just thinking that yesterday. It's just the air temperature was just a little bit on the warm side, but the humidity was just out of this world. Yeah. So I couldn't resist the temptation. I looked on my phone and saw what the temperature humidity index was. And you know, it always gives you that feels like indicator. Mm-hmm. And even though the weather wasn't really all that hot, it didn't seem the temperature humidity index was almost at 110. So it was very, very sticky down here in Texas at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Well, so what are we going to talk about on this episode, Van? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about a quote that I've just, I've had kind of in the back of my mind since I was a little kid. It was something I learned uh, from uh, my, I guess you could say she'd be my aunt. She'd be kind of my aunt removed, I guess, because she was actually my stepfather's aunt. But uh, her name was Faye Cooper, and many years ago, we were actually in the cattle business with her, and um, every so often, I'm going to say probably once a quarter or so, two or three times a year at least, we would have kind of a meeting at her house to kind of go over all of the the, the cattle industry and what we needed to do to make our operation more productive and and uh, go over expenses and incomes and that sort of thing, you know, just a, a normal business meeting, I guess you could say. And as young as I was, I would try to participate, but I mean, geez, you know, my attention span for something like that was a little bit short. And before you know it, I'd start wandering around the house and, and looking around her place. And in her office was just like a, a, a little kid's dream. I mean, she just had so many books and plaques and things like that in there for me to kind of look at and be curious about. And one plaque in particular that she had in her, on her bookshelf there just really got my attention. And, um, and, and the words were pretty simple. This is everything comes to he who waits so long as he who waits works like hell while he waits. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I honestly don't know if it was just the, the word hell to a little bitty kid or something, but I mean, for whatever reason, even at that age, I never forgot that quote. And, and of course it really didn't mean a whole lot to me back in that day and time. I just thought it was kind of funny, but I thought it was interesting that I never forgot it. And then years later, as I got older, and especially a little bit more involved with the horses and and life in general, I began to realize the true meaning of that and the couple of different meanings of that. So what I wanted to talk about today was at least the first part of that, and then we kind of might delve a little bit into the second half as well, but everything comes to he who waits. So what does that mean to you? I, I'm guessing because uh, because of what I know about you that it doesn't mean that you think we can get everything we want by sitting on the couch and waiting for it to come to us. 
<laughs> well, you're exactly right. I, you know, it sounds good though, doesn't it? You just sit there, you know, it'd be the typical couch potato. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot easier in a lot of ways, wouldn't it? Um, but you're right. The reality is, is that I, I think the first part of that quote really means to me is you do have to be patient, and you we've we've got to exercise patience. But at the same time, uh, while we're while we're waiting, we do have to be you know, a little common sense and realize that nobody's going to come and dump a, a bucket of gold on our front porch while we're sitting in the couch eating our potato chips and waiting on that. So we're going to have to do something in the meantime. And I think that doing something is what brings us into that second part of that quote. Everything comes to he who waits so long as he who waits works like heck while he's waiting. Mm-hmm. And what that means to me is that I may want nothing more than just say to get my horse's head to drop, you know, and I, and I may be, you know, waiting for that to happen, but maybe I could take a proactive approach rather than just waiting for the horse to drop his head and giving him a rub on the neck and a, and a cookie or whatever people do to, to reward that sort of thing. Maybe in the meantime, I could be doing some exercises. I could be, you know, what you talk about a lot on your podcast is multitasking and being productive. In other words, while I'm doing that, I could be doing something that's um, maybe very, very productive, getting the horse to to exercise, move his shoulders, uh, get softer and lighter on the bit, get softer and lighter throughout his entire body. And then the very moment that he does what I want him to do, which is drop his, his head and lower his head, then I release all of that other activity. And before long, if we know a little bit about horses, they begin to drop their head because they think, you know what? Every time I drop my head, life gets easier for me. So what what did we want? We just wanted the horse, in this particular case, we just wanted the horse just to drop his head and lower his head. But in the meantime, we worked very diligently, not only on that task, but on some other tasks that were leading to that. And then when we got it, we rewarded the, the response from our horse, and as a result, we get the positive action. So we got what we wanted, but did we sit and wait for it to happen, or were we, were we proactive in doing so? And that, in my mind, is so applicable to almost everything we do in horsemanship. Sure. But, of course, that lesson has really been taught to me a lot through life as well. Yeah. Let's go back to the first part of that quote, because... You said that, and the part that says everything comes to he or she who waits, um, and you said that's really about patience. Let's talk about what that means in terms of horsemanship. I mean, we can get into sort of the the philosophical life lessons there, but how do you think patience plays a role in horsemanship as you perceive it? Well, Honestly, that's probably one of the biggest obstacles that I see people have is that, you know, we live in a society today to where we want everything we want it all right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yet if you talk to the majority of of really good professional horsemen and you listen to other people talk about those guys, almost almost every conversation is going to involve, wow, he is so patient. He's probably one of the most patient guys I know. He is so, look how patient he is with those horses. And we, we hear that, we see that a lot, but what really is that? And what that really is, is having realistic expectations and putting things together in a very slow and systematic way and understanding that the confusion of that systematic way is only going to lead to chaos. So what we have to do is we have to think in terms of being very slow, very deliberate, and and teaching ourselves and teaching our horses to take slow, methodical, very productive steps that in my world, I try to tell everybody, always move forward. 
because the moment that we make a mistake because we go too fast, which is an example of lack of patience, Mm -hmm. but whenever we're patient and we follow our steps very slowly, very systematically, and we're literally taking one step in front of the other, we get to where we're going a lot faster than we think we do. Now, sometimes we'll see people expedite that, that process, and they try to do things too fast, and they try to do things quickly by skipping steps or taking shortcuts, but inevitably mistakes are made. And sometimes the mistakes are bad enough that they cost us that forward movement. And before you know it, we've lost our confidence. We've lost the horse's confidence. And we have to go back and bridge that gap. Well, in my opinion, it takes a lot longer to go back and bridge gaps than it does just to go slow and sure, methodical, and continue moving forward. So there, in my definition of of patience is patience in a nutshell. It's just understanding where you want to go and then being patient enough, if you will, just to take those nice, slow, easy, progressive steps and having confidence that you're going to reach your your goal and your destination. And honestly, I think that's another issue that that so many people uh, struggle with. And that's you know, having that foresight and that faith to know that, you know what, if I keep doing the right thing over and over and over, I'm going to get to where I want to be, whether it be with our horses or with our personal life as well. We just have to have faith in, in ourselves and have faith in our process so that we can exercise that patience it needs to to achieve our goal that we want to achieve. And that sort of ties to what you talked about in a recent previous episode about having a destination in mind. But I think you're right that our culture is such that once we've figured out where we think we want to go, we don't want to go there. We want to be there. We want to get there immediately. And so in the context of horsemanship, when you... Uh, you know, you have somebody bring a horse to you to be trained and you want, you know, they want to compete on this horse, whether it's barrels or reining or whatever. They brought you this horse with all the great bloodlines and everything that you've talked about before. And they say, I want to compete next month or whatever. Right. And what's, what is your process? How do you uh, encourage people to have faith in the process and take the time that it needs to get from point A to point Z without skipping over all the steps in between. Well, in in my mind, I try to go back and, and if I can, share with my clients some horses that they may have seen trained in the past that just for whatever reason just didn't work out. And then I would ask them, so what were some of the issues that you saw that maybe caused the horse's failure or the reason that he didn't become as successful as you thought? And most always, it's you'll hear stories about, well, we pushed him a little bit too hard or we did this or we did that. In other words, these things that will oftentimes hurt a horse in a, in a mental way or sometimes push them too hard physically uh, that causes some physical physical illness. So we get them to think about that. And then I'll ask them, is that, is that what you want? And almost <laughs> no one really wants that, do they? So, okay, so we have to realize then if that's not what we want, then we can't follow that process. Unless, of course, you've got 100 horses and we're going to go through all of them and then whichever one makes it to the top through going through that process and by golly, he must be the golden one. The reality is, is that most people don't have an endless supply of, of trial and error type horses. So we want to try to make the best of every experience with every horse that we possibly can. Which that reminds me, Laura, then I, and oftentimes I'll share this story with my clients as well. Many years ago when I was competing in the ranch horse versatility stuff, and uh, I worked very diligently. I, I 
practiced all the things that I, I try to teach people today, which is be very keenly aware of your strengths and weaknesses. Um, be very honest with yourself about your, what your strengths or weaknesses are. And then um, focus on your strengths and then at the same time develop and work on your weaknesses so that they become more balanced. And that was, that was in essence, the, the, the basic and the fundamental aspect of my training program. That was pretty much it. And we always focused on the basics. You've heard me say over and over and over again, in my opinion, there's nothing beyond the basics. So we've mastered those. Well, as a result of me practicing that, I just had tremendous success. I mean, every show we went to, we oftentimes won first, second, and third on, th- on the three horses we were hauling. Uh, we won like 15 world championships on those horses, or I say world championships. We got their world championship status uh, on, on all three of those horses we hauled that year. As a result, the media just loved it. You know, we were very fortunate to get uh, a lot of articles written about us in various magazines. How is this guy doing this on these three-year-old cults? Well, one of my neighbors... One of the guys that really gave me a big start in uh, in the horse business got by giving me an opportunity to ride some of his horses. He happened to be reading all this stuff and keeping up with me. And then one day he come to the house. He said, "Van," he said, "I've got another horse down there. I really would like for you to ride. You know, Van, you've been doing so good at this ranch horse versatility stuff, and I think this horse would make this an excellent horse for that. And and boy, as successful as you've been, I just think you'd he'd work great in your program. I mean, every time, every word out of his mouth was bragging about me in some way. And man, I fell for it a hook, line, and sinker, Laura. I mean, my chest started swelling up, my hat started getting too tight, and and I'm thinking, man, this is just this is just great. So we'll tell you what, Mr. Williams, you, you just go ahead and bring me that horse, and I'll get started with him. Well, before I do, do you, Van, do you reckon if I brought him to you, do you think you're good enough to get just 1% improvement a day on that old colt? Well, heck yeah, yes, sir, I, I sure do. Well, you know, Van, I want to show him in that in that ranch horse competition over there at Fort Worth. I said, well, good, bring him, we'll, we'll get him ready for you. Well, if you're that good and you can get 1% improvement a day, I think I'll just wait until about 100 days for that show, and then I'll bring him to you. And I'm thinking, wow, well, that, that, that's not near enough time. I, I, I need to have him here a lot sooner than that. Well, Van, if you can get 1% improvement a day, I figure he ought to be darn near perfect by, you know, 100 days. Well, what that really got me realizing, Laura, is that if we were that good with ourselves or if we were that good with our horses, that we could achieve only 1% improvement a day, mm-hmm. then our horses would be perfect in 100 days. Mm-hmm. So what does that really tell us is that the process is incredibly slow. Yeah. Another good trainer told me one time that, Van, after the first few days when we see these horses make huge changes, you know, and oftentimes going from not being ridden to being ridden, and then the first 30 days just doing some remarkable things in such a short period of time. But he said, you know, usually after those first 30 or 60 days or so, if you're seeing improvement, you're probably going too fast. Well, isn't that amazing that we that we want so much, and yet we have to realize that that process is so incredibly slow. I mean, there's 365 days out of the year, and even an adult won't reach perfection in a year's time. So that tells us that the process of developing ourselves and developing our own personal skills, as well as developing our horses, is such an incredibly slow process. So in order to take advantage of that process, we have to exercise extreme patience. And and I've watched in the past, I was thinking as you were talking about that, 
how I've seen you demonstrate patience in working with horses and certainly in working with their owners, which probably requires more patience um, in some some cases. What do you think the secret is, if there is such a thing, to your ability to have that patience in working with these animals and with their owners? How do you do that? How do you wait for the right moment to take the action you need to to take? I would think that part of that would be exercising uh, satisfaction with little victories. Hmm. You know, for example, um, and, and I mean little victories, little bitty things. Like, for example, I, I've had people ask me before, how in the world do you get these horses so soft? And and what they what they mean by that is, it's like if I move my lead rope and uh, if I see any, excuse me, if I see any sort of positive response from that horse at all, I reward that. So people start thinking, well, what 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 sort of response? What are you looking for? Well, if I move my lead rope and that horse blinks with his left eye, so if I'm, if I'm on his left side and I move that lead rope and he blinks his left eye, I will let the lead rope go and I'll rub the horse. So that's a that in my mind is a little bit of victory because see, if we know a little bit about horses, we know that they very rarely move without their muscles, number one, being a little relaxed. So they'll relax for a second and then they'll move. They'll relax and then they'll move. Well, horses never blink their eyes when they're stressed and they're not relaxed. So what that tells me is that when I'm picking up on that lead rope and his eyeball fixates for just a moment, then he feels that there's been a change. And then the very second he relaxes his eye enough to blink it, then I reward that, that try. So that's what I mean about being satisfied with little bitty victories. In my mind, that's a victory. I got a response from the horse and it wasn't a negative one. And, and then from there, we just go a little bit further. And then before you know it, you put enough of those little bitty tiny successes together. And what the horse has learned, he's learned the process of success. Rather than learning against the failures, he's learning to follow the trail of success because that's what he's inadvertently learned. But the reality is we as humans, we have to learn to be satisfied with those little bitty positive responses and then give ourselves a pat on the back for being such a good communicator that we got the response that we wanted from the horse. Then when we get that, then we add to it. You've heard me say a hundred times to you, I know, good job, Laura, that was perfect. And I remember one day you did everything but give me a butt chewing because, Van Hargis, I know that wasn't perfect. Well, Laura, it was perfect for now. Yeah. And see, and then once once you learn that, then I'll say, okay, good. You, you did really well with that. Now let's raise the bar. Yeah. See. And th- I mean, that's a great lesson to learn. I think a lot of us are not not very good at being satisfied with those small successes. And right. we want big, obvious change. And maybe that is part of the lack of patience on our part, that we we don't see the value in those very small bits of progress are not enough for us. And so it's a lesson to learn. And and I'm thinking as we're talking about this, this really is that connection you always talk about between horsemanship and humanship, that horsemanship practice the way you're talking about is going to make us better humans because we are learning that lesson of take your time, be patient, be satisfied and happy with small bits of progress. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked about the patience part of it, but the other part of this quote is about being willing to work hard. And in in the a few minutes before we need to wrap up, 
Where do you find that balance? How can you be patient and still working hard? <laughs> well, again, I'm going to go back to some lessons I've learned from your podcast, and that is sometimes being busy is not being productive. So, so I, I want to I want to mention that first because I see a lot of people get out there and think, oh, I'm going to do a lot of stuff with my horse, and they just get out there and they're doing all sorts of stuff. They're just bugging the living heck out of that horse, and and they're busy as they can be, and they're just they're running the horse around in circles, and just all the things they've seen on TV and all the things they've seen on videos, they're just exercising those like crazy. But there is no method to the madness. Mm-hmm. So we have to think too. Though sometimes working is maybe being still. And going through the process in your mind and working out something that's really going to be productive, setting a really good goal, putting together a good plan to achieve that goal, and then exercising that plan. Sometimes that's hard work for people. And then once you start the process, then if you do know what that goal is, be again, like we mentioned a little while ago, be very satisfied with those little bitty successes. In other words, we're thinking. And sometimes, for some of us, sometimes the thinking thing is pretty hard work. But that is part of the process, isn't it? We've got to be thinking all the time, thinking about what I want. Is that satisfactory? Is that on? Did that horse just do the right thing at that moment? Are we in the moment? Did we, If we're riding the horse, are we riding every stride? Is that horse on stride right now? So a lot of times, being that focused and being that much in the moment is a lot of hard work for people. So sometimes just that might be a great place to start. The other thing is once we do start the process of doing something physical, in other words, once we do start getting a little bit busy with something, again, we have to ask ourselves with every stride is what we're doing being productive toward the goal we're trying to set. And then the very moment that it is, then we have to reward ourselves by giving ourselves a good old pat on the back. And at the same time, reward our horses because it's that reward that they get from the release of whatever pressure we've applied to them that's going to keep them seeking out their successes. So the work aspect of it is oftentimes in my mind, the hardest part of it is the thinking process. Yeah, having a plan and a purpose in place rather than just activity. So it's not working hard isn't about lots of activity. It's about working with purpose, working with intention um, and knowing where you want to go. And I I would think that, and and I'm coming at this, as you know, from the perspective of a rank amateur. I mean, I just, I know so little uh, compared to somebody like you who spent your life doing this stuff. But for me, I would think part of the work side of it that counterbalances the patience is working on myself and my skills and my knowledge and going out there and learning and talking to people and reading and whether it's you know watching videos or working with a trainer or something like that but working on myself as much as on the horse and knowing that I, there are lots of things I don't know and lots of things I need to improve on. And I'm guessing that there are listeners in that same position that need to recognize uh, that we don't know it all, and right. there's more to learn. You bet. And you know, and sometimes, and, and here again, is part of the work. Is sometimes part of the work is is being having your plan and then exercising your plan to the point to where it doesn't really look like you're doing much, but yet the reality is you're getting a lot of productivity from your horse. Uh, you know, I've, I've started so many cults over the years and I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, some sort of major guru at it or anything, but I've had some great successes with it. Uh, many may know that I've 
was invited to Road to the Horse, uh, which is basically a cult starting uh championship competition i was invited to that thing two years in a row and and um very satisfied that one year i i got the crowd favorite award which just made me feel ecstatic because the the audience was just you know really into what i was doing and it really made me feel feel good and even though i didn't win the buckle that year i just felt like that it was a huge success so oftentimes i find myself challenging myself even more how can i get better at communicating with these cults so sometimes i'll challenge myself with with, with my audiences to say i want to see if i can't get this horse started and i want to see if i can work a little bit harder than the horse does in other words can i communicate well enough to this horse to where he doesn't even break a sweat and that goes back to what we and I were talking about before about being productive and not necessarily just busy. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. It doesn't mean you're not being proactive. It just means that everything that you are that you that you are doing is very effective and it's very efficient. And I, I can't emphasize enough how important that is to folks. And and that's when I, I notice people really getting into the mastery of their craft, whatever their craft may be, when they can do so much and yet it looks like they're doing so little. And it just it, that that to me is something that I think is is phenomenal in any trade. You know, like for example, you take what you do, you take what Mike does. You know, a lot of folks may not know realize you, your your husband's a musical genius, and and yet it just floors me because I've always wanted to have some sort of skill in music, and I suck so bad, I just give up on it. But then when I watch somebody like Kim, and I'm thinking. Man, what can't he play? I mean, he yeah. can play every kind of instrument there is and and then put it all together too. You know, and that just blows my mind how he can and do that. And make it look and, easy. Yeah, and he doesn't even look like it's oh, it's no big deal. He he just almost and I know he doesn't take it for granted, but it just looks like it's so casual. And that to me is mastery when you when you see people do that. And obviously that's what I want for everybody when they work with their horse. I want them to learn that sometimes to get to that level, it's not pretty. But if you stick with it and you work really hard and you continue what you're doing and you have faith in your journey, there's no doubt in my mind that you can achieve that sort of mastery. And, and I think as a whole, it just kind of sets this thing up, just like what we were talking about, that, that everything comes to he who waits. So long as he who waits works like heck while he waits. So the, the combination of patience and consistent hard work is I guess the winning factor, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, not a doubt. Not a doubt. Well, there are so many things that we could talk about here. I, you've mentioned several times um, about rewarding the horse when it does certain things, and I, I I think we'll wait and talk about that in a future episode because we could go a long ways into that. But So wrapping this up and getting ready for next time around, any announcements or anything that uh, the listeners need to know about? What's going on at Van Hargis Horsemanship these days? Well, we've just released a new website, Laura. It's, uh, it looks a little similar to our old website. It's just a, got a different little, a little bit of a different flow to it. Um, we've improved our shopping cart thing on there. We've got all of our products listed now. Uh, and we've still got a few little bugs to work out. We uploaded, accidentally uploaded some photos that we didn't really intend to upload. So we, we want people to go to our website, check that stuff out. And if you see any bugs, any glitches, 
I, w- I would love it with people to respond back and say, hey, Van, what's, what's this? And why did that not work right? Because that's the only way we can make everything better for everyone yeah. is that if we really get that really good, positive feedback from folks. And uh, so I really want to encourage people to go to that website. We've also uh, introduced with that website what we call the Top Hand Club. And this is something you and I would worked on for a long time together. And it was, uh, and what the Top Hand Club is, it's going to allow people to go to what's eventually going to be an endless library of little short video clips of anything from how-to things to little motivational statements, and people are going to have an endless access to that, uh, as well as our, our newsletter. Our newsletter is called The Horseman. It's going to come out every month as well. There's an abbreviated version. It's for everyone, and then the top hand members get a complete version of The Horseman newsletter. Uh, and of course, we're also working on, and it's, it's a work in process as well, but we're also working on a television program by the same title as Ride Every stride. And, uh, and it's going to be focusing a lot on what you and I talk about on a weekly basis, but it's going to be a little bit more visual, of course. It's going to be a little bit more how-to on how to get the horses uh, trained to do various tasks. And yet we're still going to use a lot of these same quotes and a lot of these same titles to help bridge the gap between the audio version and the video version. So a lot of things happening at Van Hargis Horsemanship. It, it, it doesn't you know, to a lot of folks who haven't seen us on the road a lot lately, we've been very, very busy, and we're looking forward to getting back out on the road. It sounds like you've been both busy and productive, and so that's pretty awesome. Uh, and so folks that want to check this stuff out, learn more about the Top Hand Club, uh, see what products are available for sale, should visit the website at vanhargis.com and uh, see what's there. And I, I'm guessing that there are new things being added periodically, so you want to check back pretty regularly. And if you have comments on the website or comments on this podcast episode, suggestions, questions that you'd like Van to uh, address in the future, you can reach out to Van in a number of ways. If you go to the website, uh, you'll see the show notes for this episode and get more information. Uh, you can also reach out to Van on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. And uh, he watches that and responds to comments, loves to hear from listeners. And again, if you see, uh, if you have questions or comments that you'd like to address to Van personally, uh, or, you know, if you see a glitch on the website, email info at vanhargis.com and uh, share those thoughts with Van there. Anything else that you want to say to the listeners before we wrap this up, Van? I can't think of a thing, Laura, but as usual, I just want you to know how much we appreciate everything that you do for the podcast. And, and I also want to give a shout out to, uh, to John, I, I, who I think is probably the most patient producer in the whole wide world because you know, and now John's learning, I am probably the most uh, technologically inept person you'll ever meet. So for him and you guys to get me through this process is just phenomenal. So a shout out to both of you guys for that and appreciate your patience. Well, it's our pleasure. Well, I guess, Laura, if that's going to wrap it up, I just want to tell everybody to, uh, to keep in mind that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey, so ride every stride. Ride every stride.